Today on the pod, I have U.S. Marine John Champer. John will talk about his time in boot camp, his strengths and weaknesses as a soldier, and why he chose to join. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Bases Loaded Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Kennedy, and today my guest is John Champer. John, how's it going, buddy? Pretty good, man. How about yourself? I'm living the dream, man, living the dream. How old are you and what's your current profession? I am 29, and I farm and do excavating. Love it. Another uh, Shelby High School graduate. Which, uh, which branch did you serve in, and what jobs did you do while uh, in the service? I served in the Marine Corps. I did a couple of deployments with the Army Green Berets as a JTAC, which is a Joint Terminal Attack Controller. Uh, means you pretty much do all fires, and fires being artillery and aircraft. So you said, uh, you know, one of your, uh, you know, some of your jobs there. How many deployments did you actually go on? Uh, five. So five deployments was, uh, you know, was it one of those things where here we go again, or, you know, you have no idea what's going to be asked of you each time? You really don't know what's going to happen, but, oh man, it's, it's every time you go into it, you're prepping for it just again. So my first one was pretty rough. And then after that, you just kind of set yourself for the same thing. It's like going into a football game every time except for the football game could kill you. <laughs> right. And you'd, you'd kind of said that in our pre-pod a little bit, uh, how much training, um, you know, you focus on so much training and trying to be prepared for everything. Were you, did you feel like you were prepared, uh, you know, the best you could be when you were getting, you know, once you got deployed? Uh, absolutely. Um, I had some very good NCOs and staff NCOs who I'm, I'm not going to lie, hate the crap out of me, but, you're you're dealing with a whole new ball game when you get over there. Nobody cares about your feelings. <laughs> so, do you have any good stories or memories you want to share um, on the podcast about your time as a marine? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's one of my fondest. It was actually my last trip in Syria. Uh, we were supposed to have about seven days worth of time. In between the time that we landed in a foreign country to the time that we were actually deploying in a foreign country. Uh, and we landed and they're like, hey, your flight leaves in 12 hours. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. Like all of our kits, like everything, like our body armor, our weapons, everything is broken down to the point that it'll fit in the bag. So we get there and we have to sort it out from. Oh, I don't know, about 400 other bags, get our stuff and get it ready to deploy. Uh, and then we get to the edge of the airstrip and the, the guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, don't worry, but one of your pilots has to recertify to carry passengers. <laughs> so as, as a guy who deals day to day with aircraft, like that's, that's not something that we like to hear. <laughs> um, it's yeah, that's not a no go because there, like, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through to start with, and then to hear that this guy's having to do it in country isn't really not a good start. 
<laughs> like at all. So we get to the edge of the, the landing strip. Uh, it's, it's the epitome of hurry up and wait. So we get there like two hours early because we've been told we have 12 hours and we get there at 10. Well, we had to watch this guy do his test runs. <laughs> really, it was rough. I'll tell you that. From from the start, it was pretty rough. I think he missed one out of three. <laughs> and by missed, I mean he missed a landing strip. So, nevertheless, he passed the certifications, and we had to get into country and fight the ISIS. So we had to ride that train somehow. So when you're when you're watching him uh, practice, are you like? You know, to yourself, kind of saying, "Oh, nope, he missed it," or "All right, we're good to go. Let's let's go." Oh man, it was not to be politically correct. It was not that nice. <laughs> <laughs> when you're watching an Osprey, so Ospreys have a pretty bad track record when it comes to crashes, and when you're watching one that you're supposed to be riding on for the next four hours and landing a combat zone. Like, no less than a combat zone. You're expecting them to be pretty dang good. And then when they shank a landing by, like, 75 feet, that, that's pretty worrisome. Pretty worrisome. <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> so we fly about uh, four hours, give or take, because we landed in Kuwait. We didn't land in Iraq. We landed in Kuwait, and they flew us over Iraq, which at the time was... Oh, the western part of Iraq was ISIS held territory, and then the super eastern part of Syria was uh, ISIS held territory, which is who we were there to fight. Um, so we were flying over like bad guys for about five hours. So none of us have any clue what's freaking going on whatsoever. None. Like we're not tied into the pilot channel or whatever is going on. And we go to land, and we—I mean, we don't know this, but they, like when they come in for a combat landing, they're they're doing as fast as they can to hit a static profile to come in and then float and then drop and then let everybody off as fast as possible. Well, we didn't know that they were coming in for a landing. We were just in the back trying to sleep, whatever. Oh, man, he came in super hot, super hot. And because of the dirt in the air or who knows what, he couldn't see. This is the same pilot that failed two landings on a perfectly amazing landing strip. Shanks it. And by I mean shanks it, like he missed it by about 200 yards. <laughs> So he's coming in at like 200 mile an hour and then realizes that he's going to miss it and he tries to pull up. Well, everybody inside just kind of bouncing around. Well, all of us but one guy had managed to get our seatbelts on because with your seatbelt, you know, seatbelts are made for people who don't have body armor. And we were carrying everything that we needed for seven to nine months of combat. So we had crew surf weapons, all of our body packs, our body armor, all of our personal weapons, everything. So, so we go to land and we're, I mean, we're coming in hot. And uh, this kid had his, his main pack in his lap and he just hugged it. 
and that was probably the best thing he could have done. But <laughs> we came in to land and we bounced off the wall to the compound. We didn't know that's what we bounced off. But at the time, we bounced, that's what we bounced off. And this kid is just bouncing around the inside of the aircraft, just riding this pack. Like he would not let go of this pack. And I swear, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> How do you find humor in that situation, though? I mean, you have to. I mean, afterwards, it's, it's completely afterwards that you find the humor. But sure, sure. Time, like, holy crap. I mean, that, that aircraft burned to the ground. Like, there's nothing left. Wow. When we crashed, like, that thing went nose in and then did a little teeter-totter, and this kid's bouncing around the whole time, holding on to that pack. He's the only, he's probably, I think he's the only kid that I had to replace everything. Or no, I didn't have to replace everything for on that whole flight. Because he was all bought it the whole time. <laughs> Holy smokes. Yeah, wow. like, we we lost two forty machine guns. We lost ammo. We lost people's all oh, weather gear. Whatever he didn't, because he was holding on to that pack for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So for you personally, why did you choose to join? Well, I always thought I was going to join uh, from when I was a little kid. Uh, and then I grew up and I really got into football and I really liked that, but I was a dummy and I didn't keep my grades up. So there was that. And then it was just like, you know what? This was, I mean, 2009, 2010. And there was, uh, there was war on. I was like, why, why not? Let's go for it. And then I was a genius. Signed up open contract and I actually landed one of the best jobs in the Marine Corps. So what do you what do you mean by open contract? Explain that a little bit. Open contract means you can do or they can put you in any job that they think needs fill. So is that pretty uncommon for somebody to do? Um, it's not totally uncommon, but if if you walk into it knowing what you're gonna do or knowing what's coming that's a very bad idea i just got really lucky because i did very well on the test <laughs> so what are some pros and cons um of being a marine oh man you will deal with being the least funded individuals in the military but you will do it with some of the best people you've ever met you will do it with guys who have the same mentality as you. Like if you are a wrestler, typical mentality. Like you're, it ain't over till it's over. And that's just where it starts. Now you're going to be underfunded anywhere you go. Or you're going to do it with people who are awesome. Any race, any nationality, it doesn't matter. We're all here for the same reason. And that's what makes it freaking awesome. Don't realize that until later, but at the time, pretty freaking cool. I've served with dudes who were Muslim, Hindi, Christian, doesn't matter, atheist. No one cares. You're all there for the ne dude next to you, and that's really all that matters. So did that make you, you know, serving with those type of people and with that, you know, the same mentality, did that make you, uh, you know, an even better person, even better soldier, kind of step up your game a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah, like without a doubt. 
Like, there's there's some guys that like I fought with for like seven months, and then we got to the end, and they're like, wait, 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 you're a Muslim? Like, we've been in Afghanistan for oh like eleven months, and do you like feel like that was important? Like, cool. But I'm actually not sad about it, like at all. Like you were here when it mattered, and that's that's what matters. So what were uh, what would you say as uh, some cons of being a Marine? You will be underfunded. <laughs> Fact from the beginning, you're not going to make a crap load. Your standard of willing is going to be lower than if you had joined the Air Force. But like, if you if you want to fight and you want to be the first guys in there, you can't join another branch. Because that's what they're there for, and that's what they do, and that is what they are very, very proud of. And depending on what your job is, you will be, no matter what. First guy's in, first guy or last guy's out. Like that's just how it works. So, what about boot camp? Um, you know, for you personally, boot camp was how tough was that from a mental standpoint to get through boot camp? Oh, boot camp. I mean, you're talking three months. For the Marine Corps boot camp. That's that's just how it works. And <laughs> it was pretty rough, but not as rough physically as I was anticipating. Granted, I prepped. I prepped pretty hard. But they like to play the mental games. That's what they're there for. They're they're there to test your mental toughness and see if that is what you can handle. We don't care if you're the most physically fit. We don't. We would like you to be, but that's not that's not what we care about. We care about whether you're mentally tough. If you can handle what's thrown at you in the middle of freaking nowhere with no support, that's what takes a marine. So did you did you uh, see that as far as like other people uh, from a mental standpoint, they kind of crumble under pressure a little bit, and you're watching and learning and and kind of taking that in. I was blessed. I had I had some very very good leaders, um, but yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it happen with. That's one of the wonders of the current military establishment is you get guys who come from college. So I was very lucky on my last trip. I had a uh, lieutenant who his father had served in Mogadishu, but he had never seen combat. Ever. And that was on my fifth combat trip. Like I've I've seen a good bit of it at this point in time. Uh and he was he was about it. He was he was okay with listening and not like hey, I, I don't run this show. I'm like that's good because like <laughs> none of us run the show. We respond to how they act, essentially. Was there ever a time, uh, you know, during boot camp where you were like, man, I don't know if I can, I can continue through this, or were you just kind of counting down the days till it was over? Oh, man, a little bit of both. Um, I actually got really lucky. Um, I had a guy that I would have met no matter what um, as my rack mate. So uh, they do bunk beds in boot camp. I was bottom, I was bottom rack, and he was the top. Um, and we, oh man, it is, this information didn't come out until like week, like seven or eight, like way into it. 
Um, he actually played football in New York, and we were going to go and play for the same college had we not enlisted. It was crazy, but we ended up doing the same thing no matter what. And you didn't, you got, you guys didn't figure that out till you were about a month into it, or two months into it. You said probably a little later than that. To be honest, like it was, it was probably about a month and a half, two months in, second phase, easy. Wow. Wow. So, so for you, um, you know, what what would you say, you know, from an outsider's perspective, or maybe even just being critical of yourself, uh, what were your strengths and weaknesses as a soldier? Oh. Oh my um discipline so to speak so the marine corps especially harps on the minute details and that's uh it's something that it actually excels on but at the same time you lose a lot when you harp on the small details so I was never very good at being the earliest person in the world. I hate it. I hate being up early. I hate it. <laughs> I despise it. But when you can get a, a group of people together on the same page, no matter what or how early or whatever, who cares? You can really, really get it going. Like if you can adapt, like I sucked. I'm not going to lie. I sucked at waking up. I hated it. What I was what I was really good at was seeing a situation for what it was. Flexibility, I guess, would be what it is. Like you can just take your punches and roll with it as it goes because that's how it is. You never know how one conflict is gonna be the same as the other. It like, doesn't matter if it's Northern Africa or Afghanistan or Iraq. Doesn't matter. Stuff's gonna change, and you have to adapt to what is changing. And if you can, if you can do that well, that's priceless. So in the in the pre pod, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, with with you know boot camp and stuff, how you how you trained and you prepped a little bit before you went, um, and you you kind of tried to to blend in a little bit, not not stick out. Absolutely. Um, wh- why would <laughs> why would that be? Why wouldn't you want them to be like, that dude is a stud? Why, why not? You don't ever want to be that guy. <laughs> you don't ever want to be that guy. If, if, you're, if you're using your brain, you don't want to be that guy because, I mean, you're talking 90 guys in a platoon. And if you're that guy that stands out at everything, they're going to be looking for that the whole time. I flew under the radar until we got to the rifle range where they start keeping track, everybody scores and all that. And it's like, yeah, crap. <laughs> uh, I, I shot very well. And that got me in a little bit of trouble because it brought me into the, the limelight. Uh, so what you're doing, <laughs> when you're doing boot camp and you're like, you know, I, I, I can push myself, but I, I really don't want to. I think they're, I think they're looking at me. I think they made eye contact. They're watching me, so slow down a little bit. That's boot camp life in general. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to ignore this. <laughs> <laughs> just be as quick as possible, man, because it's coming. <laughs> <laughs>
That was the that was the amazing thing. It's like especially in Marine Corps boot camp is you don't know what you're gonna be unless you're like one of the few rare guys that signs up knowing exactly what you're gonna do. That's probably maybe twenty five percent of a graduating class of ninety guys. The rest of us have really no freaking clue what that job title means. So they're like, oh, you're going to be a 0861. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, that's a number. <laughs> and then I got into the fleet, like, Fleet Marine Corps, and I was like, oh, okay, this job's actually pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you're going to go out there and you're going to car artillery, and, and you're going to do it a couple times a year, at least. Well. Oh, that's really sad. He said sarcastically, like, oh, man, that's going to be terrible. No. And then, oh, by the way, if you wait a couple of years and you get really good at what you're doing now, you get to call an aircraft. Hmm. Fair enough. So how long did you, uh, were you calling in the aircraft? Um, About, I was a JFO on my second deployment. So the last three were, so the difference is, is that as a JFO, you can call in the aircraft, but you have to have a JTAC there to say, okay, mainly just to make sure it's safe for everybody involved. Um, so as a JFO, especially, um, especially early on, like the Afghan and all that, we didn't have enough JTACs to go around. Like, we still don't. There's, like, maybe 2,000 of them in the entire military. Um, so what we do is we create JFOs who can provide all the information that the JTAC needs on the ground while being with the people who are getting shot at and doing all the fun stuff. Uh, and he'll provide all the information to the JTAC, and then the JTAC can talk to the pilot and make sure that everything's kosher, drop a bomb without killing anybody that we like, essentially. So is your adrenaline going crazy when you're doing that? Yes. Absolutely. The first drop, no matter what country you're in, your adrenaline's going nuts. And you have to fall back on everything you've been taught. Like, because there's there's a certain procedure. It's called the 12-step process. Yeah, 12 steps. Like, like this is not an instantaneous thing. No matter what. Like, even if, like, we're, we are in the deepest of shit. Like, like, well, this is not an instantaneous thing. Like, bombs don't fall out of the sky. With nothing. Like, it's, that doesn't happen. Like, even in the worst situations, you are providing all of the information that is relative to the guys on the ground and the guy in the air. So that comes off as what's called a target brief, which is really long and really drawn out, but it gets the point across. You can shorten it down in like holy crap situations, but it's still like even super fast. You're talking four or five minutes at least. Wow. Well, I'm getting shot at. It's a good time. <laughs> yeah, I say it's a little different than uh, Shelby, Ohio, right? 
Oh yeah, man, good. It's uh, it's definitely a little different, but I will say, I don't know that any sport preps you for that kind of a conflict other than football. Everybody's got to meet their goal, whether it's blocking this dude or hitting this dude or catching the ball. Everybody has to do their job, or it doesn't work. So for you, how has being in the military helped you out in your civilian life? Oh, boy. Uh, it's helped me a lot, a lot, actually. Like prioritizing what is important now to what is important in the future. And what are my goals? And what do I need to hit to get to that point? It, military leadership, especially Marine Corps, is very, very good about that. You establish your goals and you know what needs to meet them what it takes to meet them and that's what gets you there and i can't hate on that because it did very well for me <laughs> like my brother and i we we farm a couple hundred acres and a couple hundred acres and we raise cows that do very well and he, he, he's a firefighter and i do excavating but it comes into a, a big old plan and that is where you you just kind of got to establish how everything works and flows. The military is very good at that. So what would you tell, uh, you know, kids about joining the military? Kids, you know, middle school, high school kids are, are interested in joining. What would you tell them? What advice would you give them? <laughs> know what you want to do. And that's a very hard thing, especially in military. Oh, just going in from high schools. Knowing what you want to do, there's so many things you have no clue about. And that's talk to people who have been in, because that's that, I mean, that's your great source of information. Otherwise, it's a little bit biased. Talk to people who have been in, talk to people who have been in, especially if they do the job you want, and then get it all in writing at the end like when you go when you do actually go talk to that recruiter get her all in writing because otherwise it doesn't mean anything so which for you personally which uh which branch do you think you would have went into if not the marine corps so i didn't even know my job existed prior to my going in but it had i had a chance now knowing what i do now i probably would have gone air, air force Granted, the dudes that do my job in the Air Force are a little bit tougher than me. I'm not going to lie. What do you mean by that? Uh, so I met up with a couple of them in multiple countries. Uh, the guys that do my job in the Air Force are, they're like dive qualified. Dive school is one of the hardest in the military, no matter what branch. SEALs. Air Force, Marine Corps, it doesn't matter. It's the highest drop rate, I think, of any school. And the boys are tough. Then they go from that and they go do jump school. And it's like, oh boy, all right. You don't like your knees. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty rough transition because, like, it's, for those guys, in the Air Force, they're, they're considered special forces. So you can deploy with Navy SEALs, you can deploy with Green Berets, you can deploy with MARSOC. It doesn't matter. 
Air Force guys. So for me, I've I've only deployed with two Green Beret units. That's like as special as I got. And that was, I mean, that was a good, that was a good time. But like, I've never been to the point where I need to put it on a scuba tank and we're gonna dive in off the coast. Like, fair enough. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Do you, I say, do you ever, uh, you know, stop and think and kind of look back at your, um, you know, your, your time in the service and kind of think, holy smokes, man, I, I, I did some incredible things. And, uh, you know, the memories and the people you were with is, is something you'll carry on forever. Absolutely. I do that a lot, actually. I, when, you, when you just talk to people and you just realize that your life experience is completely different one way or the other like it, it doesn't have to be completely different like in a really bad way it's just like you've dealt with so many different life experiences that people normally don't see like i've jumped out of aircraft at thirty-five thousand feet and fallen for a very very long time it's, it's just something you'll never comprehend unless you've done it and i mean it's awesome so would you do it all over again yeah yeah i, I probably would <laughs> you're crazy I, enough I don't, to say yes i don't have many regrets from my time yeah i wouldn't really hit on my regrets i mean they they happen this is part of the job so to speak like you're you're this is not a you're not there to show people off and to go to a hotel and show them all the goodies and all this. No, you're there literally to end people's lives, so to speak. <laughs> like you're not there to be a nice guy. And sometimes that that's what happens. And sometimes that's not. But that's how she rolls. So how accurate or, or how inaccurate, I guess, um, are war movies when you know if you watch a war movie um, compared to the real thing how how inaccurate are those i find that the actual best way to describe my job is actually referring people to a war movie um if you've ever seen we were soldiers great movie yeah the guy that is screaming his head off the whole time sitting back by in the middle by a little anthill Charlie, I think his name is, weirdly enough. Um, when he calls in, he calls in an airstrike that actually bombs friendlies. Yep. That is probably the most accurate description I could have of my job. And then at the same time, other movies are completely screwed. So, so you... You watch other ones and you're like you're like annoyed, like dude, there's this is so inaccurate. It's so yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, you gotta go through about twelve steps to get that one done. Oh, sometimes <laughs> it's not the case. Like, well, yeah, very well. Like, yeah, that's fair. You called for an AC one thirty. I get it. Like, go for it. You're dropping one hundred five from the sky. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, good good stuff, John. Uh, Thanks a lot for, you know, for your service and thanks a ton for being on the podcast, man. Thank you. 
Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of the Bases Loaded podcast. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bases Podcast.